Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. So what we're dealing with these last few weeks, if you're, uh, if you're new to this, we're going through a series about relationships and, um, and about how, how to love really and truly. And love is not, uh, it's not a quick knee trembler on the settee with your girlfriend when you're babysitting for somebody. It's not a quick struggle in a park somewhere. I'm being too graphic here. You're all going, no, do tell. So we'll carry on. Uh, you know, love is not I love you, now can we have sex? We are formed for God's family. And our parents gave us uh, uh, human life but only God can give us eternal life and he's forming a family for him that will last forever. And that's why we have to work at relationships within church because in church you'll meet people that you wouldn't necessarily get on with. And I found this as a a younger man and and a new believer and I watched a video of a prison in Ireland where the Catholics and the Protestants, the terrorists, they were blown people up from different sides and shot each and killed you know, different family members and all that lot, and they were sat having what we did this morning, bread and wine, and worshipping together. Why? Because Jesus had forgiven them the sins, and they'd learned to forgive each other. And it's a powerful thing. This is the kingdom of heaven. It supersedes family. This is, this is huge. And we will go on forever and ever in eternity. And, you know, there's people in our families that won't. That's the sad thing, because they don't want it. And that's been the burden of my life, really. I see my own family. I, I try to get to every part of it. So I try to get to all sorts of things because I never want them to feel like I, I don't love them or I'm, I'm too busy for them or whatever. But you know what? At the end of the day, I can't force them. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could. Yeah. I can't force them to be Christians. So we're looking at love. And I just want to bring the verse out that I was reading last week and the week before because it's an important one, is this. And uh, that is from 1 Corinthians. It's in the Message Bible. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Is that a message for somebody this morning? Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. You'll know whether you're in a good relationship. It's gone quiet. But when you read, see, this is God's word, and he created human beings. He wired us the way that we are, as male and female. And so, you'll know. He's had his thoughts written down for us so that we get what Almighty God thinks, our creator. So, love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, it doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first. Who's ever forced your idea onto somebody? Love doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. That's tough in a marriage, especially if if you're both good at arguing. So when did I do that? Doesn't keep a, a score of other people's sins, doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. 
Trust God always. Be careful of that phrase, puts up with anything. If you're in a, a, a bad relationship, you don't put up with anything. That's not what that means. Yeah. You know, I just love you, just walk over me again. That's not what that means. Yeah. When you're bringing kids up, when you're working at a relationship, sometimes it's really not perfect. But instead of walking out, you just you, you put up with things for the greater good. But I'm not talking about abusive stuff now and, and things. So, you know, just, just be aware of that. Puts up with everything. Trust God always. That's a tough one. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. So it's one thing for me to say all that. How do we get that truth or those truths into our everyday experience, into our everyday lives. Well, awareness is one thing. If you didn't know that was there, now you know it's there. You think, oh, so that's love. See, that's a really great definition of love. Yeah. How do we get these truths into our lives? Awareness is one. Repetition is another. Developing the habits. And all that's good. That's what a life coach would teach you. What a life coach can't give you is the willingness and the energy and the power to be bothered. That's what he can't get, or she can't give you. Because I, I love, I, I, I coach people in life, but I understand if they don't want faith, all I can give them is the principles. Well, principles just become another law. You know, if, if you want to lose weight, how many people know how to lose weight? Don't put your hand up, but I'm just saying, we all know how to lose weight. It's simple. There's only two things you need. Have your teeth wired and go jogging. <laughs> You'll lose weight, it's not a problem. So we know it, so why don't we do it? We know we should drink two litres of water a day. It was, I don't even shower in two litres of water. I can't stand the stuff. <laughs> now, if they had to say three beers a day, I'm thinking, well, that's more like it, really. It's enjoyable. Water is, I taste, I think, oh, gosh, I'm going to whiz up. <laughs> but we know that we should have two. Who knows that you should have five fruit and veg every day? Yeah. yeah? And do we have it? On a good day. So I'm, I'm just saying... And if you're not careful, that's what the Bible's like. So that, oh, just another, another set of rules. Come on, Charlie, keep up. Come on, Frank, keep up. Joanne, come on. And you've got three kids all around you. And they say, have you had your two litres of water? So I couldn't even spell water at this moment in time. My brain's gone. I've got three kids. She's kicking off. He's sulking. And he's just the happy one. And we get busy with life. And the last thing that you've got is that time to think, so have you had your three? It's usually a stick insect that comes up to you. Have you had your five, five a day? Just saying. So, how do we get the truth that God wants? Who's ever heard this phrase in global? Head, heart, hands. Head is the things that we believe. Because we are all full of BS. Every one of us. Belief systems that restrict you. That hold you back. I could never do that. That's, that's just BS right there. And we've, we've, the, the Word of God has got to come into our minds and challenge that and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens yeah. me. And it's just it's fantastic. Yeah. So, so how, how do we get it? How do we get that truth from our, our mind so that we're thinking about it into our value system, our heart, so we believe it, we own it, we're convinced by it, and then working out through our hands, which represent like our lifestyle. Head, heart, hands. I'll tell you how it happens. It usually happens in trouble. And even Satan knows 
He's not scared of the Bible. He's not scared of God's truth because he knows how we are wired. He's watched human beings for thousands of years. And so he knows. He knows how to trip us up. He's the past master at it. And he knows that I can preach a preach. Jesus himself could be stood here and preach the same message and it wouldn't have the effect that he wants it to have. He knows that and I know that. Is that because Jesus is deficient? No. Is it because the word he's preaching is deficient? No. It's because of how we are wired as human beings. And we, be, we learn things through struggle more than anything else. We le- and you can learn things. You, you can take things on board and, and put habits into your life, and that's good. But even to have a habit, you have to come against something. Yeah. To, to build a habit. You know, the, the, the thing in life, you, you don't rule your life, by the way, and neither do I. Your habits rule your life. Yeah. So you have to work on your habits. You can't build a life on discipline. I'm backing up a little bit here, but it's important. Discipline's too harsh to keep it sustained. So discipline is a firing mechanism. And it fires you to get to birth and have it. And habits are more sustainable than discipline. So people mix it up. They just say, you're a really disciplined person when they see somebody like that. It's like, no, it's a habit. Runners get up. They get in. They get into training, whether it's raining, snowing, doesn't matter. They get up and they get on. They said no to certain foods, yes to grass, and you know they just get on on with the stuff. Why? Because they've they've trained themselves. Yeah, they've now got into habits. So when they feel like I can't be bothered, the habits carry them. Yeah. I can't not jog. I can't not jog. Now I might not go for months sometimes for a jog, but I can't. At some stage, I've just got to say I've had enough of this. It happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I did an half marathon one night. I just ran around York like a madman. Why? Because I'm a, I'm a runner. It happened when I got threatened in a bar once. It birthed an habit. I've never looked back. So anyway, so trouble comes. Jesus had just been teaching his disciples and the multitudes. And even his disciples, Jesus had gone on forever because he doesn't worry about time, not Jesus. He worries. He doesn't worry. He's, just, he's on mission and he knows what he wants to do and he'll complete it in his time. That's a clue to understanding Jesus. His disciples are like, I'm getting bored now. It's like, I'm getting hungry. And they said to Jesus, been a great day, Jesus, really good, that, uh, that parable about the sower and sowing seed, the seed being the word of God. And it lands on four different uh, places in people's lives. Uh, and, and, and they said, but send the multitudes away because they're going to be hungry because they're really thinking about the multitudes. They're going to be hungry. Send them away. And Jesus said, why don't you feed them? So then they feed them. Then the next thing is, he says, Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat and he says, we're going to go over to the other side. They get into the boat and uh, they sail off. Then a storm comes. Jesus is so tired from ministering. He's asleep in the back of the boat. The storm's so frightening, even the fishermen have not seen anything like it. They think we are going to die. They wake Jesus up and said, don't you care. The accusation that comes from the world and often from the church back to God and back to Jesus is, don't you care, this is happening to me. Don't, of course he cares, God so loved the world. Yeah. Yeah. But these things come up. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus said, where's your faith? Because I've just been teaching about faith. You word it, you enjoyed it, played around with it, and you're like, that's brilliant. Jesus. Can I just take some more, can somebody bring some papyri? And then we write down, 
Sorry, you never did anything like that at school, did you? Did you go to the same school as me? <laughs> so, you know, they wanted to make notes on him and stuff like that. That's brilliant, that's brilliant. And you think that you believe it and you don't. You're giving mental assent to it. You're saying, I agree, I agree. But it hasn't become part of your life. Yeah. And this hasn't. It, it, it takes time. Yeah. And so relationships will come into your life in church. And you know what the first thing you'll do is, especially as a new Christian, this is what you do. Somebody will say something to me and they'll say, they'll never say that to me again. And then you tell your friend, did you hear what she just said? I'll smack her. You know? Well, you would. I can tell you've changed because you'd have smacked her in nose before, but I can see that Jesus is all over you. It's amazing. <laughs> and, it's like, well, and we build it up because that's how we used to live in. And now we have to learn to live a new way. And, you know, if somebody says something to you that you just think, oh, I don't know about that. So you get older, they're all nice and gently, but enough, firmly enough so they can't walk away. And then you say, you're joking, right? You say, you're joking, right? Because we misunderstand. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, we're just joking. And you say, oh, God, I thought you were just being rude. I said, no, no, I wouldn't do that. And just say, no, I'm sorry. You know, and, you say, and we love and we kiss and we hug and we make up. And, but we learn, can you see? And, and we've got to learn because our background hasn't always brought us up to do this. We don't know how to build relationships. This is, just, this is not male-female relationships. This is relating to humanity. And so we're going to learn it in church. And we have to, you know, I've had to learn it. And because I've gone through it, God always chooses somebody to put them through it. And then they become a teacher of it. And you'll, there'll be more and more of you going through it in your generation. And you'll become teachers of it. Not necessarily stood behind a pulpit. It's more like sat at home having a brew. And, and somebody from church will come, one of your friends, and say, I can't believe it. No, sorry. I can't believe <laughs> And then you'll be able to help them. And just say, don't go down that avenue. You've got to change. So God uses trouble to, to move truth from your mind and your convictions into your actions. Yeah. And, and it, it's got to come out your mouth as well. We've got to get, get rid of the kind of, uh, the exaggerated language and stuff that we have. Yeah. Like, you always. You know, sometimes I can say to Shelley, or when the lads are growing up, you always, or you never put your, uh, your, 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 your plates away. You, you never wash up. You never. And, We've got to get rid of that. And we've got to learn to relate in a new way with each other. Love believes the best. Now you know that they haven't lived up to the best, but when you start treating people like, like you, you're always looking to say, I think you'll have done that. And you come home and they haven't done it. I'm thinking of kids now even, of teenage kids. And I thought they'd have cleaned that kitchen. They didn't. So you get them in, instead of going, you never clean it, it's just saying, guys, I honestly thought you'd have, you'd have done this. Don't use that word disappointed. That's a rubbish word. But, you know, I thought you'd have done it. And you're saying, come on. And then that's an opportunity to say we're all part of this family. It's not just me and your mum. We love you. You know, we serve you and everything. I bath you. You're 16. <laughs> it's like... I'm just saying. You're getting the message, yeah? Because I've done my introduction. I got to my first point. I've gone back into another introduction. This is what I'm finding. But I want us to hang around here because it's important in relationships. Next week will be about relationships because most of life is about learning to relate to each other and to people. And so when trouble comes your way, like it did with the disciples, Jesus said, was your faith? They're in the middle of a storm. That's when they should have had faith. 
they should have remembered the teaching saying God can do anything. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to speak to the storm. And that's all he did. He spoke to it and the storm, it got right down. An immediate peace, that never happens in Galilee. It takes at least 24 hours for the waves. The storm can go, but the waves keep going for about another 24 hours. And it just went still immediately. Why? Because Jesus spoke. And then Jesus expected his disciples to do it, not them. Who'd love to be able to speak to a storm and say, get down? Because storms are going to hit your life and your family, and you've got to be able to get up and just say, get down. Stop it. When Jesus rebuked demons, all they were saying was, stop it. Stop it. You stop here and you stop now. No further. It's powerful. It's not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He's the awesome son of God. Peter, a close friend of Jesus, writing after Jesus had gone back to heaven, it says, as you come to him, meaning Jesus, the living stone. How can you have a living stone? And that's what I love about Peter. He'll just get hold of something, like stone's a metaphor, and builders understand that he's the capstone or the main stone in a building. And you put your first one in, and everything else runs true from that, all the other stones. And he says, as you come to him, the living stone. Jesus is not just a stone with no feeling. He under, he's, God is, is like building uh, a house or a temple made with living stones, built with the living stone, the most important one, Jesus. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are being built together. That's relationship. What's the sand and cement between the living stones? It's forgiveness. It's kindness. It's long-suffering, patience. Yeah? So often our upbringing has not tooled us up to build these kind of relationships. Last week, uh, so I'm saying in church, we will do that. It's important that we do it. And uh, I don't want to church of thousands where nobody likes each other, nobody helps each other, or just a few keenies do stuff. You know, we used to sing when we were Blackburn Rovers fans, when we all go out, we all go out together. And that's important, that we're together. So I don't want to build a church service, I want to build a community. And in community, we're all together. And if you're not there, you're missed. Nobody will miss poor old me. Or we do. We do miss you. Sometimes we're glad you haven't come. We do miss you. But when you do come, weary willow, or weary willy, whatever. Can you say that in church? I didn't, mean, I didn't mean that one. It was a name that I was thinking of. But anyway, just saying. It's like you've got to change. You know, people, self-pity, pity parties and all that lot. I can't believe. I can't believe they said that to me. And you're like, just self-absorbed people. That's what we're producing as a nation. Self-absorbed people. They are so boring. They are so boring. They impersonate Elvis. They try to make people laugh all the time. So boring. They are so self-absorbed. But some rise above it and they are geniuses in doing that. So the best use of, number one, the best use of life is to love. That's what, where we got to last week. And I said my two reservations was that, on that was sentimental love. Like, how big is this card that he sends to you on Valentine's Day? I thought, he really loves me. And then he finishes the day after. It's like, how stupid is that? 
Oh, she really loves me. She bought me some football boots, and then she's two-timing you with somebody. It's like, what? It's not a romantic love. And it's not like, oh, well, I just love you so much, do anything you want. It's, that's pathetic. That's just like, that's romance that's just got no basis in human existence. I, you've got a bloke talking to you, I have to say, but, you know, romance is a lovely thing, but you can't build your life on it, can you? It's like pleasure. Pleasure's a good thing, but you can't build your life on pleasure. So you have to build it on principles. Yeah. You can't build it just on feeling gooey-gooey all the time. It's like, oh, oh, I can't believe. It's like there's got to be more to it. Yeah. And it's the same when we're relating in church. It can't be, well, they agree with me, so then I, I'm happy. It's learning when, they don't, when we don't agree with each other, how do we sort it out? Yeah. And uh, that just takes time. The other problem is pragmatism, where you love somebody so much you just do things for them, but there's no... There's no heart, there's, no, there's, there's nothing else there. And we looked at Mary and Martha. Martha just working all the time, and Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Martha looks and says, Jesus. She's telling Jesus, the, commander and, uh, the creator and commander of the universe, she's telling him what to do. Get Mary to come and help me peel the carrots and stuff like that. And Jesus said, I won't. I love how Jesus treats women with such dignity, but direct as well, very direct. And 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 because we need shaping, you know, you women need shaping. <laughs> but so, so <laughs> but so do men. We all need shaping. But, but I'm saying sometimes we can we can. You know me, I bulldoze men, and I'm trying to be gentle with women. But honestly, you're key players. So if I want to bring the best out in you, I've got to be honest with you as well and say you you do need shaping, and some of you need shaping more than others. Because you're headstrong, and headstrong's good if it's broken in. You know when you get a horse, sorry about the analogy, but when you get a horse, <laughs> a horse is headstrong. It is a powerful beast. But you know what? Unless it's broken in, it's useless. And I've seen powerful women that what they build with their hands, they destroy with their mouth. That's a proverb in the Bible. Um, we've got to be harnessed. And some men were good. We can knock people out and all that kind of stuff. We're really strong. But when it comes to emotion and mental ability, we're weak. Mental strength, I should say. We're weak. And we, 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 we need strengthening. And God's Word gives us tracks to run down. But it does more than that. When you read it, it gives you, there's an energy passed on. It's not just a book. There's an energy from, from, from eternity that comes into your soul. And you feel like, I can do this. Or I want to do this. Who's ever had the argument with somebody in church or anybody at work and you know you're wrong but you've said something but you know you're wrong and you're just needing somebody to let you out the prison door, out the prison of being wrong. And somebody comes in and being reasonable with you and you know you're wrong and you're not taking it at first but you know I need this, I need to get out, I think I'm wrong here. And then eventually you let them persuade you and then you come out and you think I feel good about this now, yeah? Anybody had that experience? And, you know, we need more of that, but we need to speed up that process so that we're quick to learn. And people start to enjoy being around you. You know, it says about the disciples, there were 72. They were like the, the bigger team when Jesus went on bigger missions. Then there's the 12, but then within the 12, there's the three. And they went with Jesus everywhere. And you can imagine Peter, because he was one of them, Peter, James, and John. When they go up, to the Mount of Transfiguration and see amazing things. As they're going up, Peter's like, I'll see you later, lads. 
You can imagine him rubbing the nose because they were teenagers with the disciples. They didn't have beards and bald heads and like, you know, you see some of these stained glass saint things are like, they weren't like that. They were young, energetic lads. Lads. And they, were, they spoke before they engaged the brain so often. And you can imagine Peter rubbing the nose in it like, we'll go with Jesus. See you later, lads. Make sure something's cooking before we get back. And, uh, and the other's like, so why do they always, why does Jesus always pick them three? I'm better than Peter. I'm better than comparisonitis that goes on. All this goes on in church. And so Jesus had a purpose for taking those three. But even in the three, he had a favourite. Can anyone tell me who's the favourite? John. Because John. John tells you in his gospel, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. Are you, John? And he tells you about four times, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. But I'm telling you, incognito, I don't want you to really notice while you're noticing. So, so why is that? Why, why was John Jesus' favourite? I'll tell you why. It's just easier to get on with. You see, we have to build with people and we need people. Some people are just easier to be with. That's why I've got no friends. <laughs> Some people are just easier to be with. Life's about relationships. The Ten Commandments, the first four are about us relating to God, having a relationship with Him. The last six are about how we relate to each other. Don't lie. Don't lie about your neighbour. Well, who is my neighbour? Do they live next door to me? No, no, no. Anyone that you're in connection with, that's your neighbour. Don't steal. Who's ever stolen from work? Well, it's, they can afford it. It's only, no, 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 it's stealing, stealing, stealing. It's like lying. People say, I didn't lie, I just told a white one. As if God's got a colouring book up there. <laughs> what colour was that one, Jesus? It was a white one. Oh, that's all right then. I'll do a white one. Can you see? Not to put you under law, I'm just saying, if we had a community, if, we had, if York as a city had to run with no, people not lying and not stealing, that would be a better place. Anyway, can we move on to me? final two points. All the Old Testament uh, commands are summed up with two commands from Jesus. He called it one. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And just having it boiled down for us is brilliant. It's not that we ignore the Old Testament because there's so much truth in there and you get God's character and what he's like. But just being able to, to, to boil down Christianity, what is it? It's about loving God, about living a life where you know God's watching as a dad. And that's a good dad, a patient dad, a sincere dad, a dad who's got a lot of jingle in his pocket. Yeah, that kind of a dad. When he gets his wallet out, God, he's got a picture of you there. So, no, well, that's just sentimental. How can he have a picture of me? Because he's God. You know, well, there's nine billion people on the planet. I know, but he's God. He's got a picture of you there. And when you get a picture of God like that, you say, I can trust you, but we have to learn to trust. And we give our lives to him, and we trust that he's got our interests at heart. But not just for this life, for eternity. Did you know we're going to get rewarded in heaven? The kingdom of heaven is, is based on rewards. And what you don't do down here, you'll have to do up there. Because people think when we get to heaven, well, we'll all be at the same level. We won't. Because some of us have worked at relationships and some of us have, avo have avoided it. So you'll have to learn. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in Dunce's class. I know what Dunce's class is like. That's not politically correct. They weren't in them days. 
especially when they had to put the hat on with the D. But, you know, it's based on rewards, on how obedient can we be to God's word. Not to what other people in the world say, how you should treat people, but God's word. Busyness is a great enemy of relationships because we're preoccupied with making a living. And busyness is, business is spent, spelt busyness. And time is your greatest asset. And um, what I would say is, is that how do we make a living for our family and still be able to spend time with our family? And I, I, I just want to make a stab at this, and it's, it's really to increase your capacity. Because we say, here's words that are banned in our house. I'm shattered. We banned that years ago. Oh, I'm really tired. We banned that years ago. Because it doesn't help. The moment you say, I'm shattered, all your body goes into meltdown. Did you know that? Physiologically. Because your brain believes anything you tell it. And, and so it then commands your body to, to go into meltdown. I am shattered. I couldn't do another thing. You could. Honestly, you could. Who's ever been tired and then there's an emergency happen and then you switch on? It's, it's amazing, is the body. And so, increasing your capacity whereby, you know, people, your kids, bringing kids up, they don't need all your time. They want all your time, by the way. I had to say to my kids, I'm not your entertainment manager. Because you can give them everything and they will still want more because they're full of energy and they just enjoy being around you. But to give them 10 minutes of absolute focus is brilliant and you men I don't want you guys that you know sometimes you're having to take a job here there and everywhere just, just to, to, to get the kind of job that you've been looking for and then you come back and it's like oh, the kids are missing you, the wife's missing you and stuff like that and I want to say to you don't go on a guilt trip keep doing what you're doing but increase your capacity when you come home you know, if you want to spend time with wife where's she going to be? bedroom at kitchen kitchen you know it don't you so go and spend time in the kitchen lend a hand because you're doing a few things we're multitasking aren't we now we're drying the pots and chatting I couldn't do it I'd be dropping them all over it sure but just saying increasing your capacity you know instead of just thinking I just need a bit of me time because we're like this as men you know we're cavemen but, but to be able to sit down and just watch something with your kids and that's great and then they come and climb all over you and then they, they sort of like settle down and you just watch something. You might even fall asleep. It doesn't really matter because you're with them. Yeah? But just increasing your capacity rather than just thinking, I need to get away from everything. No, no, no. Let's, let's start to walk into it and plan before you go home. How, how am I going to handle this? I'm just saying because I was the laziest monkey in my factory. And... Uh, as a young teenager, I was the laziest because I was just pleasure, 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 pleasure. I had more energy for pleasure than anything else. I despised work. Work was for losers. I wanted pleasure. And um, so becoming a Christian was a massive shock to my system. And then later on, obviously, as I, as, as I started to have a family, I had to realize I had to increase my capacity. I didn't know the word then. I didn't know this kind of a principle then. But I just did it because it was what, what, what was needed. And then later on, as I've led, read uh, leadership books and stuff, I'm thinking, that's it. That's what I had to do. And so now I'm passing the gold nuggets on to you. And you're all looking like you're receiving them. 
By the way, you do become good at disguising a, a yarn. Who's ever had to disguise a yarn? You become good at that. I love being a Christian. If I've learned nothing else, it's to disguise a yarn. <laughs> We're supposed to break wind at this point to get rid of the yarn. So good. So next week we're going to do point one, <laughs> sub point three, and then we'll hopefully get on to point number two by Christmas. <laughs> I want to keep talking in the round, and I want to keep the atmosphere as light as possible, whilst interjecting with some truth that goes out, and then we're back out again, smiling, and that's why I want to communicate because. We don't function under condemnation and guilt. And I never want to put that on anybody. But straight talk is good. But it's got to be cushioned sometimes. And, um, and especially in a, a service like this. And I don't mean a cushion so that men can't be men. I don't mean that, fellas. I know we like it straight. I, I get that. But, you know, if all, if all you ever hear is straight talk, that's how you give it. And it's not good enough. We've got to be better at communicating. We have to learn to communicate. Um, and different people require different things. I find it fascinating and frustrating communicating. I do. Who's ever had a bucket full of water and you put a stick in it, a straight stick, and when you look down, the stick looks like it's gone that way. Has anyone done that experiment? And that's what communication's like. I can put it out, or a communicator can speak and get it absolutely right as they wanted to get it but it's how it's received and that's why I tried to use different illustrations I'm trying to pull things around so that if you don't get it that way you might get it this way and uh, we try all the communicators you know we, 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 we work hard at trying to win you not tell you off not, not tell you where you're going wrong all the time but to, we, we want to win hearts and minds and then you can go away and think about it and test it to see if, it's, if, it, if it works but also test it the most important test is is it true well you'll only know that as you get to know the Bible from the team here at Global Church thank you for listening to this podcast please check out our other messages available on the website 